The views and opinions expressed as part of this podcast in no way represent those held by America Football Ireland. As always, guys, this podcast is just a bit of crack, so please, no giving out. Hello and welcome to the Domestic Game Podcast, where we bring you the insights and stories of all things American football, here in Ireland. I'm Robbie Caldwell. I'm Kenny Dwyer. Oh, but there's more. Introducing the most famous Joe from Mullingar since Joe Dolan. It's the one, the only, Joe Kinahan. Whoa, crowd goes miles. <laughs> welcome to Joe, uh, the latest addition to our podcast. Now you know the three amigos is here. Let's get down to it. So Kelly, Joe, it's great to have you back here now. Joe, as we all know, like featured on a previous episode of the Domestic Game Podcast as one of our guest presenters to uh, fill in for myself after I was off possibly fixing uh, leaks in the roof of the house. But now Joe is actually coming in as a full-time uh, panelist for the show um, because apparently I wasn't good enough for Kelly so here we go <laughs> she now has two men on the scene you're taking it so well Rob as well taking it so so well absolutely hashtag not bitter at all <laughs> <laughs> no I was just about to say you know Joe like from myself and Kelly welcome to the podcast um, I'm pretty sure most people around AFI are already know who you are and a bit about you but here just for, for the newer listeners, give us a quick recap on, on what you're about. Oh, God. Who am I? Uh, uh, Westmead Minotaurs quarterback, MU Hurricanes uh, quarterback for flag football. Uh, I've been involved in two committees. I'm still involved with the Minotaurs committee. I am on I'm the assistant uh, director of flag football for AFI. I am on the social media team for AFI as well. I feel like pretty soon it's just going to turn into like the Palpatine, you know, I am the Senate, but like it's just going to be, <laughs> you know, that that's basically what it's coming for, you know, yeah. maybe two years down the line. Yeah. So, yeah. Two more years. Power to you, co-host on Domestic Game as well. That's probably the best one, honestly, because I just get to talk so much BS and I get to hype everyone else up and I get to help my, myself up most importantly. And I get to do it getting paid, right? I get Absolutely. paid Absolutely. AFI have us on a retainer of a couple of, what's it, a couple of grand an episode, I think, at this stage, Kelly. I mean, um, it accumulates sure, over time. You know, with inflation at the minute, I'm pretty sure that that, you know, uh, retainer is just going to go up and up and up. So, yeah, you know, grab the bag, Joe, and like, let's get rolling. Fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, and so Joe, seeing as it is your your first proper episode as a co-host, uh, anyone that didn't know you before, they'll surely know you after last weekend because um, you had quite the Sunday. Uh, we did. Well, Saturday. We had quite the Sunday oh. too, recovering, recovering from Saturday. <laughs> Still sick uh, after the Sunday. Yeah, no, quite the Sunday for different reasons. Uh, no, Saturday, it was, uh, so we played the Philadelphia Blue Flame uh, Police and Fire Department. Uh, we had them in Athlone for the Athlone uh, St. Patrick's Day weekend festival that they had going on there. Um, we beat them 15 to 8. And I think I'd have to check with, um, we were only saying this before, we'd have to check with uh, Mr. Kieran O'Sullivan. 
Um, it might be the first time a club team in Ireland has beaten an American team. I know uh, the Irish Wolfhounds, was it under like 20s? Under 20s, Under 23s yeah. or something like that. Yeah, they bet uh, a Canadian back, like, team. Yeah, they bet the Canadian team back in the day. But as far as I know, it's the first time a club team in Ireland has beaten a club team from America. So, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll take that. We'll, 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 uh, we'll be promoting the hell out of that over the next couple decades, let's say. Yeah, um, and he's managed to raise 6,000 uh, euro for the uh, Lakeside Area Cancer Centre. So, you know, there's two wins for you that day. Yeah, honestly, that was, that was the best part. You know, uh, the Blue Flame were brilliant with, uh, you know, how much money they raised on their part as well. Uh, you know, like we're not going to pretend like that was a just a solo effort. That was everybody involved from committees of both clubs, um, you know, to all the players around and uh, families and communities around and stuff like that. So, you know, being able to raise six thousand euro for you know a cancer, um, you know, a cancer support sanctuary, and being able to do that playing football, you know, that, that was. You know, regardless of what the result would have been, you know, if, if we would have won, you know, if we won 15-8, if we would have won 42-0, if we'd have lost 42-0, it still would have been a great day for us just to be able to say that we raised that much money. Absolutely. Um, so we're really, we're, yeah, we're really proud of what we put together. Yeah, we're proud of you as well. Right, I'm mad to get like straight into this action though. <laughs> because like it's week two of AFI. Well, we're finished week two, we're going into week three. Hopefully we'll have this edited and out on time for just before uh, the games on Sunday, week three. But like, oh my God, what a season this is turning out to be already. Let, like focusing on week one, right? The students. Yeah. Yeah, like UCD have absolutely ran riot since the start of um, since the start of the football season this year. I know I expressed many concern that it might be difficult for them coming back uh, after a two-year hiatus of being able to like actively recruit on campus. Uh, I know that like kind of was like a few of them kind of took a bit of an offence to that. How I felt that they might be a bit slow, and they have really, really made me eat my words. Like they have. <clears throat> shown us nothing but championship caliber play so far they have been outstanding Sean Douglas absolutely running riot the past two weekends uh, I don't know what is it up to is he at four touchdowns now at this stage Go three ahead. touchdowns he's three touchdowns and on three touchdowns since uh, week two but you know what he's not even I mean yeah he's he absolutely flying but he's not even necessarily the number one target there because you know we're not seeing the likes of um Tom Donovan, who switched over to wide receiver and a few others uh, recorded on the stats just because the stats that, we're, that we have at the minute is all based on touchdowns. But Tom Donovan is getting over 100 yards in games, stuff like this. So um, they have three rookie running backs in the backfield that are, again, they're running ragged as well. They're going for over 100 yards um, in games and stuff like this. And it's just bananas, that offense. And if the offense is strong, the defense seems to be equally as strong. So just such a well-balanced team. And almost feels That's, like they've they've come up a level after the COVID break, you know, because they were a good team. Myself and Joe were talking about it um, before we started recording. We're saying, you know, they were a good, strong team in 2019. Oh, my God. Like, they're a freaking class of excellence this year. Now, something I want to just pinpoint, it. you say how Tom Donovan's moved out to wide receiver. I have seen in some uh, Instagram posts, uh, Tosan Mamadougan playing, 
uh, for UCD? Is he in as their quarterback this season? No, no. Their number one quarterback is Aaron Mooney, right? And oh, till okay. I tell you, Aaron Mooney's on eight touchdowns so far. Eight touchdowns over two games. He scored five against the Knights and then three. <laughs> that was some quick maths there. <laughs> three in yeah. the last game. So UCD have three pretty high caliber quarterbacks and receivers who can catch. They they obviously have an O line and a solid enough defense. Like this is something that I you know this is possibly, you know, our early season sort of expectations where we all get a little bit, you know, hot and flustered by UCD and what they're bringing into the game situation. But I am very excited to see them continue along this pathway this season. Like I think things are are getting spicy down there on yeah. campus. Yeah, same. Absolutely. Yeah, like I think they're definitely starting to believe in themselves already. Like you look at who they have ahead now and it's just like it's hard to see them coming up against a tougher task than the Trojans. Like, obviously, the Cowboys played well, but the Trojans have been a different animal for the last five, six years in AFI. And when you've been able to say, hey, listen, we beat them in the second week second week of the season, like, you'd hope for UCD that it's just onwards and up to, upwards from there. Now, you don't want them turning into the Arizona Cardinals from last year and you start off hot and you just trail off from there, but I suppose that's something that they're going to be telling themselves going forward. But I mean, again, we've we've said him up, his name already. Aaron Mooney has just been balling out, and you know, I can only see him getting better from here. To be honest, and they're a scary force moving forward. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. I actually caught up with um, Dara Farrell, one of their coaches, um, during the week just to see like what's happening in UCD because it's such a talking point at the moment. And the other thing that I really felt from UCD is after the podcast episode came out, I felt that they, you know, they they really took that like you kind of touched on it there, Rob, where it's like, but I just feel like they took it as a challenge. You know what I mean? They just kind of heard what we were saying and just kind of said right we're gonna show not necessarily us but show AFI show like the other players show the other teams like whatever what they're about they've gone out they've done that so I wanted to ask Dara about that and Dara said you know really like not really that they weren't really looking to make any type of a point he just said they've been working hard and that's it through COVID they were excited to compete to bring their best out onto the field and all they were concerned about was executing plays enjoying football like that's what he was saying and that is, well, you know, the answer that you would give to the press. But we all know the truth about all of us footballers here in this country. We all have egos bigger than ourselves. And you hear someone talking smack about you on anything, even if it's a, a WhatsApp group chat or, you know, a world-renowned podcast like The Domestic Game. <laughs> you know, you're stepping out onto that pitch and you're going to prove all them haters wrong. Anyone who's ever doubted you and, like, like more power to them. I'm just going to say it, you know, let, let the students keep rolling. Yeah, it's what athletes do. Do you know that um, last dance? You said, you obviously also that Michael Jordan, I mean, who hasn't seen it? And it's that thing, like he would like listen out for people who were saying things about him because it was just fuel to his fire. Like that's that's what I get from UCD this year. Like I just feel like they're, they're just, they're mad. They're out for vengeance. Like they were annoyed that they didn't make the bowl in 2019. They're annoyed that they didn't have like two years 
to contest a bowl this year like this is kind of their time now so it's exactly what you said it's like they just need to make sure that they keep going with this momentum throughout the season and not fall apart at the end of the regular season yeah and rightly so like I think that uh, the year where they got put out in the mud bowl everyone was sort of back in UCD to go the go the distance and they'll feel like they've done themselves a great injustice by not coming through that so they would have to wait over two years to actually get back into a position where they've they've rebuilt, you know, they've regrouped, they've got, you know, many other players back again and that they're like, right, the mistakes of the past aren't going to happen this year. We are here to win. I, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not sure have any of the college teams actually ever won uh, a Shamrock Bowl championship. Oh, God, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. The UL won. Yeah, UL, UL have won like three. Yeah, so the Vikings, that's, that's one. Have no. Trinity won? I know Trinity made a few finals back against the Trojans back in the the first half of the last decade. So it's been so. a long time. It's been a, it's been a while since the college team has made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has the last the last few appearances <laughs> were at Trojans. They were the the Rebels, the Knights, um, the Admirals, the Panthers. Panthers. They were yeah. They were the last few to appear in a. In a so. so yeah, like ECD, hopefully they can uh, keep going the way they're doing. Be great for them. Great for the college. Great for the football program. And it's one of these things like the college teams, the more that they improve and the more that they can be seen to be like up there with the, the top dogs of American football here in Ireland, the more that's going to feed into actually growing, growing the sport across the country. Like it's a great sort of feeder system. Like yeah. there's many many a player who's went to college, possibly even played for the colleges. Then when they go back to the four corners of the island, not everywhere has a team, but you've got you know like I know with the the Minotaurs, uh, you've got Alan Campbell traveling for um, I'm gonna say Claire Morris possibly. Yeah, he's out. He's out in Mayo, so like we we'll have him from like from Maynooth when like during term but like during when he's coming from from the summer he's he's coming from out mayo so yeah wow. as you say it's good to kind of connect those four kind of corners of the island and just you know get some really good players in that way like you know like the colleges are only going to see this the likes of ucd performing really well and they're going to say okay well a bit more fun in that way because mm. you know especially if ucd call themselves national champions at the end of this you know colleges will start to say well you know listen it's not, you know, maybe it's not a scholarship sport to the likes of soccer or rugby, but maybe it's worth a bit more investment. And, so, you know, that's only, that's only going to help uh, AFI in general over the next yeah. couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Right. Well, moving on from UCD and on to their next opponent, the Cowboys, who played in week one against the Rhinos. And... Did pretty well. I mean, we had, you know, kind of the Rhinos and the Cowboys as stragglers in in this division going forward. But, I mean, the Cowboys really did a little bit of a number on on the Rhinos. Uh, and then also the likes of Dara Farrell from UCD kind of saying going into this game that there are a few players, the Cowboys, that they will be looking out for. And they're not by any means underestimating them or underestimating what they want to do in this in this division. So how are we feeling about the Cowboys now post, post their first game? I think that the Rhinos really need to adopt or adopt, sorry, the uh, the new hashtag that you gave them after that game. You know, it, it ain't a Rhino pride. It's a it's a hashtag Rhino crash and burn. 
Like that performance, Cowboys, they romped home with that victory. It was a 29-point differential in that. Uh, classic performance by the Cowboys, you know, trying to state you know, that they believe that they have a rightful place in the, in the Shamrock Bowl uh, after like being there for like so many years. You know, really putting the foot down on the Rhinos. I don't, I don't really know what, what we can say on that. It kind of went the way I think ourselves and most people thought that it was going to go. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that I thought the scoreline would be quite as big as it was, but I was catching up with uh, Pete Lochran during the week and he was kind of saying that it's come together, you know, on the Cowboys a little bit like they had to do a few meetings, try and get everyone on the one page. And, you know, it, it takes players like like Pete to kind of bring teams together and to put in that type of effort to make sure that everyone kind of has the same vision for the team. Everyone's working towards the same goal. All the coaches are aligned, players are aligned and everyone's like working with the same playbook, the same assignments and they're just doing what needs to be done. So, you know, I'm enjoying it. I don't know if I would back the Cowboys over UCD given that UCD have a lot of momentum. I do think that three games in a row is going to be very tough for UCD but I think that they're up for the challenge and I mean for me if I had to make a quick prediction on that I'm probably going with UCD but I don't think that it's going to be you know as much of a runaway for them as what we might have predicted at the beginning of the season Yeah I was only going to say like they've really they, the Cowboys have really shown that you know uh, uh, as you mentioned the podcast we kind of had them down as kind of more stragglers going into the going into the year but they really showed uh, in that in that Rhinos game that you know if they can put up points like nothing like it always helps when you have a QB like Pete Lochran I still think like you mentioned Kelly like UCD are just they're playing out of their skin at the moment and you know they have a couple of weeks to prepare for this Cowboys game now I think is it March or April 10th yeah April 10th so they're facing April Cowboys 10th. Yeah, Cowboys will take on UCD on April 10th. So that's UCD's next game. But the Cowboys' next game is actually this weekend against the Knights. So, I mean, that's even an interesting one, especially given that the Knights were were quite, you know, convincingly beat by UCD. It doesn't get much bigger of a of a score difference than, what was it, like 58? 58-7, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, 58-7, you know. So it's kind of one of those... Um, it's it's going to be an interesting matchup, I think. You know, where do we see the Cowboys coming against the Knights? Yeah, like I know we had like a few preseason games between the pair of them. Um, it's you know, it, it's difficult to look back at the preseason. I know like it could be many sort of veteran players don't turn up, and and you just end up like blooding a lot of your rookies. But it's it's really going to be anyone's game to play. Like you know, I think the game itself. He's going to be in Belfast. It's not really that far of a distance between Craig Alvin and Belfast. It's not really going to have much kind of an impact on the player's performance. I think this game will kind of sort of set out the stall for who could, you know, if if the Cowboys can get... Cowboys need a win here yeah. against the Knights, really to um, give them any sort of hope going into the game against UCD. That is a very good point, actually. I think both of these teams really need a win in this game. Like the Knights need a win because they got a bad beaten off UCD and they need to regain some confidence. And the Cowboys need a win because they're after beating the Rhinos. They, they, did, they had a good game against the Rhinos. It's handy enough for them. But they need to beat the Knights or else the rest of the season isn't looking so hot for them. So 
I really think it's going to be a battle in that game. For me, even though the Knights always give the Cowboys a tough time, the Knights usually beat the Cowboys on the O-line and ultimately end up clinching the win. In this game, I'm probably going to go with the Cowboys, so I'm going to go against everything that we know from last year and I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to back that. Like, again, I know the Knights kind of had that series, really, but, I mean, that those games were, how long ago at this stage? Eight months ago? Yeah. Like how much of a how much does the dynamic of a team and you know how many new pieces do you add in the space of those eight months? I just think again, momentum is such a massive thing. When you only have eight games, you can really ride it to to all the way to a Shamrock Bowl if you really need, like we're seeing with UCD probably. But you know, I'm kind of seeing the same thing where it's like the Cowboys know that okay, well we started probably better than anybody thought we would, and if we can keep this going, we can make this a really respectable. Redebut. I don't. It's not going to be. Again, I think either way, whatever way this goes, it won't be like a blowout. Because again, as you said, the Knights they, they got relegated in twenty at the end of the twenty nineteen season. They were going to be playing in Division One in twenty twenty. They got the chance to promote themselves back up this year, so they kind of need to. You know, they really need to show up for this game. Otherwise, questions you know, will be asked. Yeah, yeah, that's it, and. You know, if if they're not answered pretty soon, it's it's gonna it's only gonna spell disaster for them. I think. I think it, it may end up being the game of the week this week. I know yeah. it's kind of easy to say that about Premier Division games, but I genuinely think this will be a really really good game. Yeah. No, it's one of those like it's a battle within a battle. You know what I mean? It's like both teams have have little mini titles there that they need to fight for in this game. Like so. I think that whichever team wins this game is going to stand them for the season upcoming. It's important. Then sticking with week one fixtures, um, but going down to division ones, we also had Trinity against the Donegal Derry Vipers. I mean, the UL Vikings against the Wexford Eagles. So the other students that I want to chat about, obviously Trinity College shutting out the Donegal Derry Vipers. Yeah, like I think, um, like we said, it was, going to be, it was always going to be a tough day for the Vipers traveling the whole way down to Dublin. Um, I saw some of their social media posts early on in the day. It was like, you know, by air, by, by sea, by turf, whatever way they were going to move the ball. Um, just didn't happen for them on the day. I was at the game. It was a really ugly, ugly game. I know 20 nil. like every every point obviously is on the board for a reason, but 20 nil is maybe a bit of a disservice to the Vipers. Like Trinity... Trinity, Trinity themselves didn't really get much going either. Like one of their touchdowns was off a Viper's punt that like smacked into the back of the personal protector's head and like just landed in the end zone. Uh, the other was off a Viper's backwards pass that just rolled along the floor and they just picked up. Like they didn't, it wasn't a 20 nil win in my opinion. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it that way. But yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for the Vipers now to kind of pick themselves out of it. Um, it'll be interesting to see because they have uh, who is it? They have Crusaders this week. Yeah, Crusaders. Another it's up in uh, up in Derry. Up in Derry, that might that might help them out. But uh, Trinity again, yeah. As much as it sounds like I'm ragging on them, they did put that pressure on the punter. They did have that pressure on the QB to force the the, the wonky pass backwards, like. Yeah, with Trinity, they forced mistakes. They took advantage of their opportunities. You know, they capitalized in that way. But in another sense, I'm kind of delighted for the Vipers to hear that it really wasn't a game that 
necessarily like looked like it would have had like a, a 20 nil scoreline if you were just watching in and out from the sidelines or whatever which is great because it just goes to show the standard the Vipers are at they have been working hard they have been showing up you know they are a good organisation their collectional staff stuff like that they're involved in everything between flag to youth and the kiddos and all that like you know I was, I was a bit upset for them that they that they didn't get it going on that first week uh, shout out though to Darren Busty Quinn for getting me a few points from a fantasy for his interception big ups for that plug that fantasy football <laughs> yeah exactly <Everybody laughs> be done. <laughs> and um so it is um no it's good it's good that's a good kind of a uh, synopsis of the game I'm, I'm kind of delighted to hear to hear that much because obviously he being all the way here in Singapore I don't get to go to these games lack of commitment here is shocking then the other game uh, from week one, Vikings and the Wexford Eagles. So quite a tight little game, you know, uh, 12-6, I think. With the Vikings, then both their touchdowns were on the ground coming from their QB on Ruckins. Um, and the Wexford Eagles had the same. Tre- Trevor Smith, um, their QB, uh, rushing for one touchdown as well. So not the biggest scoring game, but the Vikings coming away with the W. It's kind of what we had predicted. It's what we had predicted, but I don't think it's kind of... Um... I don't think we predicted Mary to be as close. No. Uh, I don't know whether that's to be, you know, optimistic about the Eagles or pessimistic about the the Vikings or just the day that was in it. That's just what happened. You know, I think at the, the start of the season, we were, you know, nearly even questioning whether this game would take place and possibly the uh, sustainability of the Eagles, you know, continuing as a franchise in this league. Um, and we really bigged up the Vikings and their new set of goalposts that were got by Bono. Um, so, like, uh, I don't really know what what we've learned as a result of this game. I just, I'm just going to throw that throw that out there. Yeah, well, the Vikings will be facing Trinity this week. So, you know, given that both of those teams have played already, uh, Joe, Rob, how are you, how are you feeling? Who are you, who are you predicting to come away with that W? I'd be taking Trinity there. Yeah, it's, I think, it's, uh, it's in Dublin. Yeah, it's in Dublin. It's a lot, you know, the Vikings seem to kind of thrive from that run game. The Trinity field, at least when we were there anyway, uh, for that Vipers game, very uh, <clears throat> very rough old pitch, very sloppy ground, couldn't seem to get your footing in. It might be a better day for kind of quick passes just to get the chunk yardage as opposed to, you know, relying on running backs and stuff like that and, and offensive line not slipping, trying to power through. yeah. I've got to give it to Trinity personally. Again, it'll be another it'll be another close game, I'd say, because you know Trinity, at least in my opinion, anyway. And they can attack me all they want, all they want. Uh, my DMs are at Robbie Caldwell. Um, if uh, if they want to, you know, I'll take Trinity. Um, it's it they're they're hosting a team that's having to travel two and a half hours ish. Um, they're used to the playing surface there, which isn't great in my opinion. Uh, they didn't overpower the Vipers, but you know we were expecting the Vikings to kind of run over the Eagles too, and that didn't happen. Yeah. Um. It'll be. I think it'll be close enough. I'd say within a within a score or within ten points. Um. But I'll take Trinity. Uh. Yeah. I'll take like within ten points. Well, I'm gonna roll with the Vikings on this one. It's hard to go against Trinity with the likes of Ben Dowling at QB with uh, the two O'Dwyer brothers as well. They're playing absolute ball now. Such skilled, skilled players. Um. But I'm gonna go with with the Vikings. I think that the expertise of the likes of Lum Ryan and Alvaro and uh, Dara Plum 
O'Callaghan, I think, uh, are, are going to see the Vikings through. They're used to Ironman football, and I think that's going to start shining through in the rookies as well, that type of um, that type of culture. And it's just, just waiting for it to, to click a little bit more. Like Kelly, we all know that you went to UL. It's not, you know, any big secret that you still like shout for UL, have the UL merch, you know, walk around acting like a Viking over in Singapore. But like with this game, you actually have to think with your head and not just your heart. And I think if you actually sit down and look at the facts, you'll be siding with myself and Joe on this one and you would have been back in Trinity. <laughs> right. Right. Well, we will see, lads. Vikings, don't let me down. Don't let me down. <laughs> the next game, moving swiftly on, <laughs> going into to week two, actually, now where we had, obviously, UCD versus um, the Trojans. We kind of touched on that game already. I think we've given enough love to to UCD, but um, that game, uh, I was chatting with one of the Trojans players after they said Trojans going to Trojan, you know, because it is typical Trojans to lose their first one or two games um, in, in the SBC uh, regular season. So that tradition seems to have continued on into Premier. For me, I'm certainly not writing the Trojans off after a game where there was a one-point loss that really could have gone either way with UCD just digging a little bit deeper and also the way how that game was described I think it was kind of neck and neck for the first part and then UCD had 22 unanswered points and then the Trojans come back from that um, nearly make it back um, without their kicker by the way so they still felt like that they left um, their kicker was injured during the game they feel like they left a few points on the on the field so um yeah disappointing day for the trojans but um still feel like it's a strong strong start for week one yeah like i know like myself i backed the big t to come away with a victory um a one point swing in it like without a kicker like you say like that like kickers are people too and they do matter <laughs> even in, even in this game in this country you know like an extra point converted there and you've got a draw, a long range field goal and you've got yourself the win. That's such a tight game. Uh, I know we, we all know the Trojans would be disappointed not to get, get the W. It's sort of ingrained in who they are is, is that win, win, win football mentality. Um, they won't be disappointed. Uh, I know Mo Ramadan got uh, two Russian touchdowns in that game. He's in at, at running back for them. That's a scary man to have charging down down the gut at you. Like I think the Trojans, it's not even a it's not even a blip in their sort of overall season game plan. Uh, like we could, it's the kind of thing where they might get this one one victory or one sorry defeat. Um, that's it out of the way and go the whole way undefeated now to a Shamrock Bowl. As long as they you know win the next game, like it'll be full steam ahead for them and. I really can't see this upsetting their, their progress really in any kind of way. Well, it's an interesting one because their next game is against the Panthers. So we're seeing, you know, a replay of the 2019 bowl. I mean, the, the Panthers have had two years to kind of think about that bowl. So any team that's coming back for revenge, you know, after that is going to probably have a bit of fire in their belly. Something that we talked about um, kind of off mic where we really don't know what the Panthers are are about yet even having seen them in 2019 you know that was their only winning season in the history of their franchise as far as I know anyway um, there were previously Dublin Dragons I think that they have had one of the most successful rebrands within AFI uh, probably only followed 
by AFI itself rebranding from IAFA. So they had that one winning season. I mean, they only just made the the Shamrock Bowl back then because they had um, they had to do the wild card against Cork. That was an upset that they beat Cork. And then they, I mean, I think they were very competitive in that um, in that Shamrock Bowl. I know that the big T was ahead by a lot, but I know that the Panthers were certainly giving it to them, in particularly the third quarter. So I mean, I think that's going to be going to be an interesting game. I mean, uh, as much you know, in fairness, like the Trojans were on top of that game for pretty much the whole thing. Um, but it's very hard to not be on top of the game when your opening score is the opening kickoff return for a touchdown. Yeah, and I think as far as long as we don't see that again uh, against the Panthers, I think the Panthers will be more competitive. It's just a case of if they're truly able to beat the Trojans. Now, I'm personally not going to say, I'm not, I'm not going to call that myself. You know, and I, you know, you probably could call me surprised if it did happen. I tell you what, if it does, you know, they've got some great momentum heading into the rest of their season. And, you know, you brought up a good point with the Trojans saying that like, you know, they got their, their loss out of the way. And, you know, that probably is the best way to look at it. Like they've not, they've not lost any momentum with, with it. And yeah. even then it wasn't like they got, blown out of the water like they were right at the end of that game it was just a two-point conversion now I can't think of anybody on this podcast who's been in such a tight game and then lost with a failed two-point conversion (laughs) Um, but yeah I think I think it is an interesting game uh, moving forward especially with um, the Trojans would beat UCD now I think I called UCD on the podcast but I think I actually I think I I think I I did, but I think I actually, when I was doing the game week review on the on the website, I think I actually went back and I took the Trojans. Oh, so I, I did I did flip back eventually. Um, again, as I said, they haven't lost any momentum with with that game, and I think it'll just give them a, a good excuse now to really to really pick on some teams now. So um, I wouldn't be looking forward to playing them still. Before before we move on, I, I just going to like do a wee Panthers plug here because uh, we know how much the Panthers, you know basically cover all sorts of all sorts of sides of flag and they're trying at the minute to start up a girls under 18s uh, training camps so they're actually going to be training in it is Timon Park in Tala every Saturday from April 9th at 12pm uh, it's a 100 euro registration fee and it's going to be a 20 week uh, 20 week training sort of session for for the girls and that's also including league registration they're going to be provided with strength and conditioning coaches, nutrition plannings, you know, in-game training. Um, like the, the list goes on. I'm just actually here looking at everything they're offering. If anyone has sort of any any girls that they know aged 16 to 18 who would be interested in American football or just even want to give some kind of sport. If you're, you know, if you're a player, a coach, whatever, in the Dublin area, listen to this and you have a daughter that age and you want to live vicariously through her, then, you know, get her down down to, to that train. And also, you know, sisters, you know, cousins, all this. That's how you get girls into sport is you contact the girls that you know and you encourage them to go down. So that's it. We're, we're chatting to you, AFI players, that are that are listening. It's like get the girls in your life to go down to this training and start playing football. And like to be honest, like I added a hundred quid for for that uh, amount, like for for all that they're getting. It's it's actually it's class, like and you know definitely you could even get a few companies to to sponsor athletes if there was you know girls looking for it. I know myself, 
um, my company, we'd, we'd happily sponsor a player or two to, to be a part of it. You know, it's something that's that's excellent to, to actually see a team taking the initiative and going forward with it. Yeah, and I think like the, the kind of professional nature of it, like again, as you're saying, they're getting uh, strength and conditioning and, uh, you know, sort of dietary uh, information and stuff like that and proper in-depth coaching. Again, Kelly, like when you were saying it was a really successful rebrand from uh, what they were originally, like it, like it's not just a, a, a new logo and a bit of paint job. Like it, they've actually gone through a really proper professionalized structure, I feel. And to, to be a part of that, growing up in Ireland in, in uh, the kind of American football scene here, it is it is a good opportunity for anybody listening that thinking, hey, you know what? I, I do want to give this a go, and but I don't know where I could do it. Well, the, the Panthers are probably one of the best places you could do it. If you are looking to start off your football journey. Absolutely. Right. Back to the football and the games at hand. So another upset for me, huge upset I felt, was the Cork Admirals and the Dublin Rebels. Did not predict that the Cork Admirals would be shut out. For me, this is an interesting one because the Dublin Rebels seem to be back to their winning ways. Yeah, like I know I said that uh, bad boys move in silence and violence and that's you know sort of the mentality I had placed in the Admirals. But honestly, that fleet got sank in the dock and there's no other way to put it. Yeah, yeah. It's not great when the offense doesn't score. And the other thing is, is the Admirals are very, very strong on defense. So disappointing for them that they would have given up the the 20 points. Thing is, is that the Admirals are a team, like they're a good team. Like you can't really write them off like that. So like, I don't even feel like this is a flash in the pan for the Dublin Rebels. I feel like the Dublin Rebels are back to, to winning ways. And I'm kind of delighted to see it as well. The league doesn't be the same unless the Dublin Rebels are her winning. Like, so... Um, touchdowns on the day we two touchdowns from Ty Henry their QB um, one rushing touchdown from himself and one passing touchdown to um, Alan Dowdall and then as well shout out to, uh, to Dylan Paisley um, on defence getting a pick and return it for a six um, shout out to Kenny McCarthy as well um, who got a key interception on the day yeah I think like you know I, I wasn't really someone expecting the Rebels to do something massive this year I thought you know what Great bringing Ty Henry in as QB. Um, it might take another year, but to be honest, again, seeing them really, really, really put it up to the, the Admirals and you know to the point where they even shut them out. Like it, it is a bit of a wake up call for the Admirals, you know, considering that they prob- they may have been coming into the year thinking, you know what, we were undefeated until the playoffs. Uh, we caught a bad break, but you know what, we'll be up next season. We'll be we'll be up and running again, and we'll be same championship contending team. And then when you get blown out of the water, 20 to nil, it's, again, it's the same thing what I said with the Trojans. Like, they've not lost any momentum. I mean, the momentum that they had from 2019 was probably gone as soon as the pandemic hit. They need to start building that momentum pretty quick because you've got UCD and you've got the Trojans and you've got, you know, the Rebels maybe could be a thing. And, you know, maybe the Cowboys, depending on how they do this weekend, like all of a sudden you've got four or five teams genuinely putting a push to the playoffs and you know you don't want to be left out of that boat early so exactly yeah no 100% Joe I can't agree with you more like Premier League or the Premier One division this year is absolutely stacked and that's a really good point where you said about being a winning team having won the, out their regular season 
um, then missing out on the playoffs um, in 2019. And even the year before that, 2018, they were bowl winners against against the Rebels, actually. And then the Rebels obviously had a huge turnover in coaching and, and players and some very notable players leaving the Rebels. And it just seemed to really fall apart, for, like detrimental for them in 2019. So for me, this is an interesting result for the reason being that with most of the other teams so far, COVID really hasn't affected where they are in relation to where they were in 2019 with the exception of the rebels the the rebels are such a resilient club no like, I, like there's nothing really more that i can say about you know the rebels or the admirals um and that game you know one thing that you know possibly stood to the rebels is that they kept their their receivers and their dbs and all um playing flag over the past two years just to keep them out and active whereas nothing was seen from the the admirals we've always said that cork was like a qb factory because they always had someone consistently good under center um and they didn't put up a, a point there at, at the weekend whereas the rebels put up 20 they shut them out you know they held strong you know 20 points is a good score to put up in any day of the week uh like like Joe was saying as well, you know, there's at least five teams that would be vying to make a push for the playoffs, you know, this year in this, in the Premier Division one, only four of them can make it true. You know, you really can't afford to be dropping points to anyone. Uh, it's going to be a long season for the Admirals, especially if they're, they're losing early on at home. Yep. Agree. Righty. So then the final game from week two was the Causeway Giants um, and the North Dublin Pirates. So for me, the standout performance of that game was the defense by the Causeway Giants. It's just absolutely phenomenal. I think they had two pick sixes. And then we have to give the likes of Ross McKenzie a huge shout out because um, his performance on the day, when it won him like the defensive player uh, of AFI on the Owl, fantasy football and not to plug that again but there you go he got two sacks one of them for a safety he had a forced uh, fumble and a fumble recovery as well so absolutely beasted out in that game yeah no like it was a great performance by uh by the by the causeway giants um interesting to note the uh the pirates now they've actually had a bit of an influx of players uh right before the season started following the what we call it the temporary disbandment was not to span with the, the the hiatus that the the Meath Bulldogs have went on. Um, I know many of their players uh, sort of transitioned to the to the Pirates franchise, and they're they're down playing their football there now at the minute. How many players have moved? You know, if if a team is kind of folding pre-season, uh, they obviously didn't have at least fifteen, so maybe there's ten. If you got maybe five of them, but here as we know in this game, like five players to a team could really sort of set the ball rolling. Uh, did a long distance to travel up there to the causeway before that game. They got sixteen points. Giants, Giants done like particularly well. I think this is kind of the way we thought the game would go with a Giants win. But I do think that the the Pirates could be a team maybe maybe to have, keep a bit of an eye on. Uh, you know, the longer that these players from me sort of get playing under the pirate under the pirate banner, uh, it could have you know, it could really work in their favour. A couple of extra bodies down there, sort of really help boost the numbers, boost the training ability, boost boost everything all around. 
just you know it'll be it'll be interesting to keep an eye on them and see see how they manage to progress throughout the year once players get more game time and more training together. Yeah, final game that was due to happen was the Antrim Jets and the Loud Mavericks, but that has been postponed until this week, so that'll be upcoming. But come here, Rob, there is a rumour, uh, speaking of the Loud Mavericks, that you are back playing football. Uh, yeah, hell yeah, I am back. Uh, Don in the red bandana, ready to go to war. You know, strapped up and ready for action. Where are you playing? Um, Oh, all will be revealed on the day. But I can tell you, if you're to go by uh, by the playbook, it's uh, I'm not actually featuring. So, oh, because <laughs> I was going to bring the water on the field for injuries. Yes, you know someone's got to do it. It's okay. very important. It's going to be a hot day out there, um, and everyone must stay <laughs> hydrated. Hydration is key. Best damn uh, water boy in Ireland, though. You know it, Joe. You know it. <laughs> no, uh, realistically, looking at it now. Um, I've I've kind of been away from the uh, the Mavericks training scene for the guts of like six months plus. Um, I'm most likely going to be filling in as a middle linebacker and possibly rotating in at fullback for for the Mavericks. Fair play to you, Tom Brady of VFI. So you said you said red bandana, right? The Mavericks, like, would you not go out and get yourself a white and black bandana? Uh, match the colors game. I just feel like it. It looks. I don't know. Like feel, seeing the bit of red coming out of the the back of the helmet, it just kind of throw me off. <laughs> have it. Have it all. Have it all matching. No, uh, the the bandana. The bandana was a gift. It was a gift to me many many years ago as a reminder to to where we've all come from and where we've all gone. Uh, I still still rock the red bandana in uh, in memory of the person who gave it to me. That's that's very fair. Oh, that lovely. I feel like a dickhead for asking now. <laughs> very smoothly moving on then. I want to go into a, a quick kind of fire round on our predictions for this coming Sunday and then also the month of April, just in case we don't get recording before then. So upcoming games in AFI Premier Division. Next week have the Knights versus Cowboys. We did say how important that was um, for me. I've predicted the Cowboys in that one. Who are you going with? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Cowboys. I'm gonna stay, you know, pretty close to home. I know that, or so I've been informed. Uh, former O lineman for the Louth Mavericks, Rory Connolly, has actually moved and is now now rocking the orange at the Cowboys. Uh, Big Rue was, you know, quite the quite the the phenomenal dominant force on the O line for the Mavericks uh, during his time there. So if he's still back with the Cowboys. And knowing all we know about the Cowboys from uh, Luis Alberto, young Scott Buchanan, Papa Pump, Peter Lochran, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with the orange tide and Cowboy win. Yeah, make that a three beat there. I think the Cowboys take that. Yeah, okay, that's what we have for that one. Staying in Premier One, but moving on to April 3rd with the Panthers versus Trojans. So it's almost like that replay of 2019. Panthers will have been thinking about that game for two years. Trojans are after Trojaning uh, in their first week and are coming back angry. For me, I don't know, that's a tough one. That's a tough one to call. You want to take the Panthers though, don't you? You want to call the upset. The reason why I want to call the Panthers right is you knew, you knew because everyone wants to go Trojans. It's like, oh yeah, we're definitely going Trojans. They're the more historically winning team. They're harder hitting team. They're going to be annoyed after UCD. They have one game under their belt and all this. But the reason why I'm going to go with Panthers right, two reasons. 
Rayburn, Sean Goldrick. UL, UL. That's all I'm hearing there. UL, UL, UL. I am predicting Goldie, minimum two touchdowns, most likely three. Oh, okay. Guess who's on your fantasy team next week? I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to call the upset again. I think the Trojans start knowing too would be really interesting. You know, to go from national champions to going 0-2 and at that rate, or at least, you know, having an uphill battle to make the playoffs, I think that'd be really interesting. It's got to be the big T though, isn't it? It's got, it's got to be Trojans. It's got to be Trojans. I'm, I'm siding with Joe. Like, you can, if you've seen the, uh, the video version of this podcast, you'd see me throwing up the big T all day long. <laughs> uh, I, have to, I have to side with them. Um, you know, I can't, I can't see them letting this one get away from them as much love as I have for the Panthers and the Panther organization. Uh, I'm, I'm going against them in this one and Trojans win. Right. Okay. Chalk it down. Moving on then, Cowboys, UCD. Students. And actually, while we're on UCD, a player that we didn't mention that we definitely should have given way more love to, don't at me UCD because we're fixing it now. In the first game, Dean Lawler, who scores three, three passing to- or three receiving touchdowns um, against the Knights. So he went absolutely off in that game. Like three touchdowns is a good is a good day for any wide receiver. So um yeah, just didn't want to release an episode after that without giving them a little <laughs> bit of love for that uh feat. Um uh, I actually on. have a story about Keane Lawler. I have a story about <coughs> Keane Lawler. So I actually I actually met him recently at um at a party in Carpenter's Town. We we got chatting. Um and I kind of known him from being about in football. I actually played against him uh, good. Whenever, whenever the Mavericks got to the the old Shamrock Bowl division, mm-hmm. and like that man, he's about six four, six five. Um, like he's a he's a well built unit. You know, we were at the party and we got chatting, and that man not at the party now, but when I played against him, that man gave me the worst concussion. <laughs> of my life we shouldn't laugh we shouldn't laugh no the way like, you so say the I, worst concussion of my life makes it sound like you've had multiple at this stage I no, mean in like, fairness have you heard him he definitely has this, this is possibly like the only one that's been documented um, in my playing career but I remember so I was you know running a flat out of the backfield and I caught the pass and as I went to turn upfield he was there the man got down low like I'm 5'9", five, 5'10 five, on a good day. So he managed <laughs> to like get right underneath me. Like I was lifted right into the air and absolutely, I don't even like know, just slam straight down. I came right down, like back of the head, boom. I remember lying on the ground and being like, just like what had happened? Like as if time had stood still for a bit. And then the paramedics and all came over to me and they're like, Hi, hi, just like, do you know where do you know where you are? And I was like lying, lying there on the ground. And I was like, uh, yeah, 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 I know where I am. And there was a bit of a pause. It's like, well, uh, where where are you? And I was like, uh, Dundalk, Dundalk. I knew I was in Dundalk. And they were like, Yeah, yeah, he's fine. And um, but one of our O linemen, John McCardle, he came over to me and he was like, Rob, one of your eyes was looking left, the other eye was looking to the right. It's like <laughs> the other looking, one eye looking at you, <laughs> the other one looking for you. 
it was like yeah. and it's like like thankfully like the coaches they, they wouldn't let me play the rest of the game like they were like no because like I passed the the protocol or the questions um but I was like like very responsible for the coaches because like I wanted to hop back in uh like as any player does you know you don't want to like step out you feel like you're letting players down but in fairness to the coaches they were like no here we saw that you know we saw how high up you came down from it's like you're you're sitting this out like there's going to be many more games this season just take it easy but uh yeah so i am thankful for many a short running back that king lawler is now on offense purely and will not be taking the heads clean off anyone anytime soon yeah it's like he's four touchdowns for the season but still does less damage than he did when he was on defense oh hell yeah jesus Next game then, April 10th, will be the Knights and the Panthers. I think that's a bit difficult to call, seeing as we haven't seen the Panthers playing, but just based on, you know, my previous prediction, I'm clearly not going to go with the Knights when I've predicted the Panthers to beat the Trojans. So in Knights, Panthers, I'm going to go with Panthers as well. Yeah, Panther, Panther, the Panthers have a pride. Panther Kelly, pride. What's, a, what, what's a group of Panthers? <laughs> I'll get back to you on it. I yeah. See, I get the I get the beauty of hindsight from the games in between them because I can go on the web, I can say this and say, Oh yeah, Panthers will win. And then if the Knights beat the Cowboys and the Trojans run over the Panthers, I can say on the website next the week before the game, be like, ha, don't listen to that podcast, only read the reviews online. Uh no, I, I'll take the Panthers. But yeah. it'll be interesting to see what the results from these next couple of games will be, and it might change my mind on the Knights. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, and I hope for the Knights that they can that they can do that, you know. Um, but I also I have what a group of Panthers is called. It's called a claw, a claw of Panthers. So the Knights better watch out because there's a claw of Panthers going. Final game of April then is the Rebels and the Rhinos. Um, yeah, I mean for me, um, I'm rolling with Ty Henry. I'm rolling with um, the likes of Kenny McCarty, like Dylan Paisley, all of them. I'm just going Rebels right, all the way on this one. Yeah, Conrad Cook, well, all of them, they're absolutely stacked. They're gelled, they have chemistry, and it's looking good for the Rebels. Yeah, those rhino horns are going to be hanging on the wall, and that's simple as. Well, what else do you say? Like, it has to be the Rebels. If the Rhinos win that game, honestly, fair fair play. Right, let's see. so bitchy towards the say. Rhinos. It's so funny. I know, <laughs> I know, but... Whenever we've asked them for feedback, they've actually been grand. They're grand, but they're so sassy. Like they're like, it's a public, it's a public. We treated it as such. And I'm like, we spent hours, hours doing stats, hours. Like I mean, of, of my time in Singapore doing stats for an Irish American football league. I'm like, it's not a public. Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? public. It's as if they have no pride in the league. Oh, oh no. Moving on to AFI Division 1, looking ahead to this weekend with Vipers and the Crusaders. And that one, I think, is an interesting little one. Yeah, like, you know, we, we all know the Crusaders love to play some bully boy football. Um, I know we've taken a bit of heat. I think they actually beat the Rhinos, possibly, in uh, their, their pre-season scrimmage. And we, uh, we must have, like... Turn that game off after the third quarter because uh, I think we may have said that the Rhinos won. Um, awkward, but anyway. So yeah, well done to the Crusaders in that preseason game. Um, it's going to be sort of some of that you know old school bully boy football. I think from both sides. I think both of them are known for like 
hard hitting aggressive play you know been very run heavy um I know that the uh, the Crusaders actually have got a couple of players who are pretty good at catching the ball too. I haven't seen them since their um, the old D two days when they they won when they beat the Bulldogs down in Dundalk in that uh, that championship final. Um, so it's it's been a while since I've actually seen them in action. But like we say, you know, it's one of these things where. The closer games are held together, the closer the geographical distance between games, the less of an impact it has on um, possibly the team that you would sort of, you know, back on coming out first. With the distance that needs to be travelled for this game, I do believe that it does swing an advantage in the Vipers' favour. However, it's the kind of thing where I wouldn't be surprised if the Crusaders went in with a quick smash and grab and secure the bag in the W. Again, it's another tough game to call. You know, I played against the Crusaders in like September. Again, that that's such a long time away. Like they have a new coach, a new head coach at this stage now. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they come out under that kind of new leadership, just purely because of the consistency coming into this season. I'll take the Vipers. I'm not dreadfully. I'm not overly confident, but I'll take the, I'll take them. I agree with you, Joe. I'm also going to go with the Vipers, and I think that the consistency is a good way of describing it. For me, I like the Crusaders a lot. I think the Crusaders um, are very ambitious. They have a lot of raw talent. There are some players that I think are, are very solid for the Crusaders. I really, really do. I, I like the, a lot of what they have going on. You know, the Kerry brothers, I think, for one, and Johnny Keogh and all that standout players, even the likes of um, Thomas Brocklebank as well. Obviously, Tommy is amazing, a, a huge weapon. You know, Tommy could, is a Premier level player, 100%, no yeah, doubt yeah. in that whatsoever. When you have a Premier level player playing an AFI one it just gives such an advantage the only thing is is that that change at coaching for the Crusaders is a relatively recent one I'm not sure that really enough time to instill the coaching philosophy of the new coach um, the other thing is is that I do find the Crusaders offense a little bit volatile at times when things are going good they're going really well and it's magic and then when things go against them uh, it just kind of seems to crumble and fall apart. Um, so for that reason, I feel like the Vipers have just been a bit more consistent. It's been a slight upward trajectory over a good bit of time now and a little, you know, it's kind of like five degrees, five degrees at a start over time and an upward trajectory like ends up being a huge amount of space uh, in a year's time, stuff like that. So I think that we're going to see like a lot of, I think we're going to see good things from the Vipers. So that's why I'm going with them. Yeah, and the Vipers, you know, in the new Viper pit, um, they recently announced that they've come to an agreement with the City of Derry Rugby Club and have got uh, got a ground there for the 2022 season. And hopefully that, you know, extends well beyond this year. Uh, where I think we're in sort of a unanimous agreement that it's it's going to be the Vipers coming away with this with this W. The next game on the list is Trinity and the Vikings. We've already talked about it, where I'm back in the Vikings and the boys are back in Trinity. Okay. Ooh, interesting one. Minotaur. So Joe's debut in AFI for this year and um, the Eagles. So how are you feeling on that one, Rob? Uh, yeah, like, uh, like, like realistically, as much as it pains me to say this, because like, 
a minotaur is really just a half breed of a bull and a human. And like being a maverick, you know, we're full bull. Um, I, I got to go with Joe. Actually, I wonder, does Joe remember this? I remember the very first time I played against Joe and it was in Mullingar. Oh, I know and this story. <laughs> it was in and I ended up uh, for, for some known reason to myself, I ended up in a nose tackle. And I remember getting through through the O-line and then Joe took a step up into the pocket and went to scramble, went to scramble down the middle. And I managed to just hook the leg of him when he was going by and take him down. And after he hit the ground, he stood straight back up and pointed at me. If you ever do that again, I will kill you. Um, uh, no, because I, I'm pretty sure I actually, I think I actually spun out of that sack. Um, no, like you, 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 you made, you made, you made like maybe two or three yards forward uh, as your O-line <laughs> moved, moved with you. But, uh, yeah, that was our first interaction between us. Um, did I actually say that? Yeah. Oh, not, not, did I actually? Oh, you were so angry. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, well, I, I still, I still mean it. I stand by those words. <laughs> and what's funny is that, um, I mean, it was the first time that you've met on the pitch, Joe. You were probably only eighteen at the time. Yeah. Oh, what was this? So, this would have been the twenty nineteen season, Rob. When was when would we have played? It must have been that year then. Yeah. Yeah, you beat us thirty four twenty eight or something like that at the end. Yeah. 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 That yeah that would have been me, QB. So what? Three years ago, now at this stage. Three, yeah, still, I definitely still mean it. I definitely still mean it. Like you know, young Joe brought a lot of sauce to the game, so I'm I'm hoping that he brings it this year as well. Yeah, um, I also oh, wanna try. Like also- I, I I would say like you know sorry for cutting across again, Kelly, but I like looking at who who the Minotaurs have. They're at the receivers. They're on defense. Um, I don't know, Joe. Maybe you can comment. Is Ross McCadden and Dean Johnson playing then this weekend? Or the next weekend, Ross McCann. Yeah, they'll both be at the end. Yeah, it's like I'm. I'm looking at that, and these uh, have got quite a quite a good all round team. I would be expecting the Minotaurs to to put up, you know, mid to late thirties in this game. Yeah, no pressure, Joe, but that's the expectation. <laughs> I mean, like, look at the end of the day, they put up a good fight against the Vikings, and when they brought it that close, you brought it up that they're, you know, the Vikings' former, you no know, Premier Division long-standing team. They've won Shamrock Bowls. Like, you know, we're not taking them. We're not taking the Eagles for for granted. Like, they came that close against a really solid, and they're on the road, a really solid Vikings team in front of them. You know, if we take them for granted, if we think, oh yeah, well, you know, I was just, you know, taking the mix, saying, oh yeah, Minotaurs by fifty. If we go into that thinking, ah, oh, yeah, sure, we'll walk through this, be like a training session. It, you know, teams have surprised from that position before. So, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent agree with you. And I mean, the last the last season that the the Eagles played, they were quite successful in, and I think they only just we just missed out on the playoffs and that. And I mean, the playoffs in AFI one are tighter than what they are in Premier one. So, um, no, I'm with you. I agree with that attitude. Um, same time, I'm going to go with with Minotaurs to to win that game on the 3rd of April. Uh, moving on to the 10th of April, then we have Crusaders versus Vikings. I mean, given that we've gone the Vipers, I think we all, we all went the Vipers, didn't we? Against the Crusaders? 
Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we I think we can. I think would it be fair to assume that we're all going Vikings here too? Or is Robbie going to say otherwise? Kelly won't. We we all know where Kelly's allegiances lie. Yeah, like we're, we're being very. Um, I don't even know what the word is. You know, cohesive, coherent, together, unified. Uh, for a lot of our picks here this evening, um, like I think I'm just gonna, I can't, I can't go against you. I'm I'm gonna be a Viking for the day, and I just have to back the Vikings against the Crusaders. Cool, cool, cool. Next game in AFI one on the tenth is the Minotaurs against the Vipers. Minotaurs and Vipers. You know, I think once we actually see the Vipers after their their second game at home. Sorry, it will be their first game at home, their second game of the season. Uh, it'll give us sort of more insight into the the kind of team that they are. Yeah. Um, you know, I think at this stage we've done a not enough, you know, bootlicking of the uh, of the Minotaurs. Um, I'm not going to give them any more credit than than we have to. Uh, we all know who they are. We know what they're about. We know that. As of quite recently, they feel that they, they should have been up in the Premier Division instead of the Cowboys. That they they're they're going to push the entire way throughout this year to get themselves up to the, the Premier Division. Um, it's going to be at home. I can't see them taking any more prisoners. Uh, I can't see them taking any prisoners at all throughout the season, as long as they keep everyone healthy, um, keep doing what they're doing. I think it's going to be a very aggressive game from both sides to put it nicely uh, both teams are going to hit hard and be more than more than up for the fight uh, but like that I feel that this division is the Minotaurs for the taking and going into the season I couldn't really see anyone that would, would sort of uh, throw too much doubt into the mix for them to come up against they're fit to stand with the big boys, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have to take the Minotaurs here on this one too. Yeah, agreed. And don't think I could have said it better. So, Eagles Trinity. Eagles Trinity. So mm, I'm gonna go with Trinity down in Wexford. So you know, not not too far away. I know many of the Trinity boys actually have summer homes in Wexford. Um, so they'll be well used to being down there um, for for pleasure as opposed to peeing yeah we're, we're I think we're going to be another unanimous decision on this one that it's it's Trinity that should be taking the taking the victory here yeah which is interesting because um, actually the last time they, they met the Eagles came away with the win on this time I'm going to go with Trinity just purely based on reported numbers um, Trinity just seemed to be a healthier healthier team and the Eagles have seemed to struggle now you don't know the thing the thing with teams is that you know veterans come back just before the season starts that happens a lot so maybe the Eagles are a lot healthier than what we're thinking that they are so they're very welcome to prove us wrong um, yeah like I think like like, I just, like we don't really know enough about the Eagles um, the thing that we really know is sort of the, the departure of Coach Klatt we've seen that as like quite a, a big break um, and like taking that out of the mix, it's like have the uh, what's what's their coaching staff like behind him? That's you know that's left behind in Wexford. How have they brought the players forward? They're the kind of team, possibly like the Admirals, who we haven't seen a lot of over the past two years, haven't heard a lot of. Uh, it's going to take at least two, maybe even three games for ourselves and for you know other teams around the league to actually 
you know, get a grip of what these guys are about. Yeah. Agree with that um, synopsis there. Um, okay, so moving on to AFI Division 2, and we have the Jets versus the Mavericks. So, Rob, you wanted to say something about the Mavericks earlier. Yeah, like, I'm pretty happy to take point on this. It's going to be a, a very good game. Uh, I know like I, I threw a bit of shade towards the, the Jets the last day, saying that you know they're not even going to get off the runway game over by the end of the first quarter. And while still sticking by those views, um, you know, there's a lot more to this game than your your classical division two slobber knocker where it's gonna be just, you know, heavy hitting, run and pound, ground and pound, that kind of a game. The Mavericks, uh, some very interesting stuff coming through with them. You know, we've got young quarterback Nathan Herity, who is going to be stepping under center. Um, we've been quite used to, over the past few years, seeing Aaron Finley under center for the Mavericks or Declan Mulvihill. Uh, Declan himself is actually moving out to the end. He's going to try and make full use of that six foot seven frame of his. Aaron, unfortunately, sustained a, a pretty bad knee injury in a flag football game in Maynooth just the foot caught in the AstroTurf and the knee just went from under him. That's his second kind of bad leg injury in the same leg in the past four years. So whether we see him back at all in a uniform, hopefully we'll see him back uh, on the sideline, even in a coaching facility, because I know he's got like much respect uh, earned from all the players in the organization, even the coaches well-loved, you know, a great sort of locker room guy, someone who's like, you know, he is, he commands respect, he's straight, he's honest, but also has the support of his teammates. Nathan, I think we've all seen him, the young kid, the gunslinger, the man with the motor, like he can run for days and days and days and he just does not seem to get tired. So it's going to be very interesting to see him out, you know, slinging the ball. Many of the the teams who played in the flag this year would have seen him. You know, the Mavericks kind of operated with uh, a two quarterback system, with both guys getting a run out. Um, so I think that you know he's a very versatile young player, possibly top three quarterbacks under twenty five in Ireland. Um, so it's going to be great to see him out there, out there getting going. The Jets, from from what I've seen of them over the years, uh, with the the, the Donaghy Group Invitational Cup, you know they have some some pieces. Um, we all know, like Ryan Beckett, the former Trojan man, standing out there with the the shiny silver helmet. Not entirely sure if uh, he's back with them this year. If he is, there's a great linebacker, you know, in for them. For the rest of the pieces around around them, there's 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 no one really that stands out as you know a notable player that would make us a, a sort of a, a bit of a difference in this game. I think that a lot of the Mavericks' older players were kind of annoyed coming down to Division Two, but uh, having spoke with the the board, this was seen as a bit of a rebuild after the whole two year hiatus. And I think that, you know, the players have actually really bought in to 
the uh, the structure and how this is going and the new coaching staff. Um, so it's going to be a very very interesting game. You know, there's no real distance between the teams. Jets have had a few more games practice. I I can't really see that. You know, having too much of an impact as Joe was saying. Many of those games were seven eight months ago. So I am going to have to hold firm and I believe that it's going to be a Mavericks win this weekend. Okay. Uh, very unbiased for you there, Rob. Thanks for that. I'm happy. I'm happy to support it. I'm happy to go with that. I think that uh, you shouldn't certainly shouldn't underestimate the, the Jets offense, not with the likes of Scott McLean there at QB, who's a fantastic QB. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to support the Mavericks on that upcoming game. Joe, do you have anything? Anything to oh, I won't that? be happy. I won't be happy to support them, but I'll pick them. You'll pick them, <laughs> and then the next fixture, then which is the third of April, Jets and Razorbacks. Um, actually, the the Razorbacks for me were kind of a team that I was writing off kind of early in the season, but no, that's the thing. Like, no, they're an exciting little team now. Has, has anyone heard the news? Has anyone seen the news? Has anyone seen what's happening with the Razorbacks and like? Who does be lining out for the Razorbacks this year? Oh, we've seen, but talk us through. Yeah. Oh, oh well. So possibly, I don't even know where to start with this. And like, it was possibly one of the best kept secrets um, in AFI this year. And I did not realize it was happening until uh, I saw photos from from the Razorbacks first game. And it is the amount of Belfast City Lions players wearing those Razorback jerseys. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think like I can I'm looking at Kelly and Joe here and the smiles are going from ear to ear. I think everyone was like, ooh, when See, they saw that. I love when this happens. I love when you know there's just a big change, a big mass migration of players from one team to another because it revives other teams. Like the Razorbacks now are an interesting team you know, for a team that we were kind of, you know, I haven't really been doing much in the last two years of football. Have We haven't heard nothing from them in, you know, the two years of, of COVID. Suddenly now they've, they've kind of made themselves relevant again. Yeah. I think like that influx of talent really helps as well. Like you kind of saw what they had in the Donaghy group invitational cup and, you know, they didn't really put on, any sort of breathtaking displays, but like having those couple pieces from the Lions, it really does, it really does change a team. I think, I think personally, it's still hard to go against the Jets on this one. I mean, it, it kind of, again, I know we're all saying, oh, this is what we're predicting for the next couple of weeks. This one really depends on uh, the Jets Mavericks game from the week before, because if the Jets come up and, you know, they, they beat the Mavericks or, they keep it close. You probably, I would still probably keep the Jets here, but I mean, if the Mavericks come out and roll over or bowl over the, the the Jets, then you're thinking, okay, well, the Razorbacks have had an extra month to prepare after getting a forfeit win against the Giants. So they're already up on the table. Then you're looking at the Jets who, you know, in theory, in this scenario, come out and get washed by the Mavericks. And then the very next week, they're going... You know they're they're playing this team who hasn't who has had a month to prepare for them. All of a sudden, it's like okay, Jesus, maybe the Razorbacks do take it. But I think for now, I'll stick with the Jets. But it won't be as much of um, 
you know, it won't be as um, intensive of a loss for the for the Razorbacks as it was, or as it would have been maybe eight months ago. Yeah, I I agree. I agree with that. Um, for me, I wouldn't be hugely surprised to see the Razorbacks clinch a win or at least make a good a good effort towards getting that win. Um, not only have they gotten like quite a large influx of um, Belfast Lions players, but also they have a new head coach, um, Gareth Suntan Miller. So he was originally with the Belfast Knights for years and years. Um, very experienced player there and a player that other teams had to worry about when they came up against the Knights. Uh, then he switched over to the Trojans for a year and won a Shamrock Bowl. So he has that under his belt as well. Um, and now he's head coach of the Razorbacks. So he's bringing a world of knowledge into that team. So, I mean, it would be interesting to see what they can do because not only do they have the players, but they have the coaching now as well. Uh, so while I agree, I'm still going to go with the Jets on this. I would not be surprised to see the Razorbacks really put it up against them. Yeah, so I think that's possibly one of the, the very few games that we're going to diverge on. Um, I, I'm going to go and back the uh, the Razorbacks in this game. Um, you know, new head coach, you can say with Suntan, bringing all that experience. You know, all the, the additions of the, the Belfast Lions players. We've had a couple of the, the Razorbacks players who actually played then for the Sealand Seahawks. You know, there's a lot of pieces here which I think, you know, in the right environment, in the right mix, could um, propel the uh, the Razorbacks to sort of levels that they've never seen before. Um, and it's it's something that's just they have me so interested in what they're doing and like sort of everything that's going on that my fascination with them is going to make me pick them. You know whether that's to my detriment or not. Uh, I'm going to go with the the Razorbacks. The final game um, up for prediction is the Mavericks and the Pirates. Yeah, uh, so I suppose I was going to say Robbie can't really predict this, can he? <laughs> <laughs> I stayed quiet for the second minute or one. You can. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie brought up a good point about the Pirates. Um, you know, taking all those bull, well, say five, six, seven Bulldogs players, and. You know, we saw, you know, they, they, they took the L on, on the game, but they put up 16 points and you give those new Bulldogs players a couple more weeks to gel and a couple more weeks to learn a different playbook and a new system. It'll cause, um, it, it, well, it might cause a bit more of a, a tougher fight than maybe a lot of people are predicting. Now, again, I'll still go Mavericks here. I see them taking uh, their first win and from the week before, and I see them taking the second win here. Um, but it won't be. Uh, I at least I don't think it will be like a, say, fifty-eight, seven, like we saw with UCD or the Knights. I think it'll be a lot closer. Um, it'll be a hard-fought game. I still think the Mavericks by ten to fourteen points, ten to fourteen points in around there. It's going to be an interesting one because I like you know the way. With that Meath team going going under, it was kind of like these players were, you know, sort of in the mix for either going to the Mavericks or going to the Pirates. And I don't know whether it was sort of one leader in the locker room took all players with them or just the Meath men couldn't bring themselves to, to play in Louth. But it, it's, it's going to be at the stage where 
the Pirates will have had more time to gel those five or six players into the mix. Um, I, I can see it being a, quite a, a hard-fought game. I'd say, you know, one of the, the, the key things that the Mavericks have that a lot of teams in the lower divisions don't have is they actually have a kicker. So if it does come down to the wire and there's the guts of, you know, two, two points in it, I can see the Mavericks hitting a field goal from 35 yards to get a win. It's going to be a hard game. Uh, it's going to be, you know, both teams will be more than up for it. Um, I, I just think that the Mavericks have a little bit more juice, especially, you know, from from their quarterback and who I feel will be able to, you know, light things up a little bit more, give them a bit more creativity, a bit more dynamic. Uh, and I can see them sort of, you know, digging deep, grinding out for the win and, you know, getting it, whether it be, you know, a win's a win, whether it be one point, whether it be 21 points, I can see them coming home, back them dock with another W. Right. Okay. So that's it. Dundalk coming away with the W predicted here first by Robbie Caldwell. Um, I think then that brings us to the end of this end of March episode um, of the Domestic Game Podcast. Guys, do you have anything that you want to add? Just that everyone should remember that it's the domestic game and not the local game. The title is the domestic game. You know. <laughs> okay, we've been ashamed. Just putting it there, out there. <laughs> just put it out there, not directed at anyone in particular. Joe, any sign off? Any sign off moments? Minotaur's Shamrock Bowl 23. Minotaur's Shamrock Bowl 23. You heard that here first. Right, um, we will leave it there and we'll catch us again maybe early mid-April. That's all from us at the Domestic Game. I'm signing off, Kenny Dwyer. I'm Robbie Carlo. I'm Joe Kinahan. And we'll catch you all later. Peace.